Welcome. It is a joy to join with you in worship today. My name is Reverend Dawn Douglas Flowers and I serve at Parkway Hills United Methodist Church in Madison, Mississippi. Over these next summer months, we will be looking at some family favorite movies and thinking about what they tell us about our story of faith and the story of our God. We would love to know who is worshiping alongside us. Feel free to reach out to us, send us an email, ask us any questions you may have, or simply let us know how we may be church for you. And if you're in the Madison area, we would love for you to join us on our campus any Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I look forward to spending the summer at the movies with you. But now, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God this day. Please stay in for the call to worship. <clears throat> Give praise to God. Praise the Lord, for it is God who saves. It is God who forgives. It is God who delivers. Give thanks and praise to the Lord.
Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? If someone is caught in a sin, we're, we who are spiritual should restore that one gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. But what is fair? How often should I forgive the same person? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Should I forgive as many as seven times? Jesus said, if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. Jesus said to forgive, not seven times, but 77 times. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered, and love keeps no record of wrongs. God gives us this grace to love and to forgive one another. I God, invite you all to join with me in our response found in your bulletin. God, God is forgiveness. forgiveness. Dare to forgive, and God will be with you. God is forgiveness. Love and do not fear. I'd like to invite our children forward for children's moment. Daniel Tiger? It looks like Daniel Tiger. It's a cheetah. It's a cheetah? Oh, well, then it's not Daniel Tiger, is it? Yeah. Daniel Cheetah? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Well, good morning. Y'all got big plans today? Or is it, this is the most exciting part of your day, right? Um, You're supposed to say yes. We're going to our grandmother's house for lunch. Yep. Yeah. Cody's going to his grandmother's house for lunch. And have a pool party? We don't have a pool there, but what you going to do today? I know today is your daddy's birthday. He's probably like, yay, I'm so glad you called me out. So do you make him a cake? You're going to do that? Okay. Well, do y'all see anything different up here along the chancel rail? Let's look right here. Do you remember doing those? Yeah, the hearts. That one is yours. So do you remember doing the hearts, Hazel? Oh, I did the pink. Yeah, so Wednesday night at our last family VBS, we talked about um, how we can live and love like Jesus. And everybody got three hearts, and they were supposed to think of three things. Words that they can say that help them live and love like Jesus, service they can do for others, and also time that they can give to help them live and love like Jesus. So you answered those, and you came and hung them up here, but we're going to talk about something else today, and for the whole month of July, that is about how we live and love like Jesus. So I'm going to read you a story, and then I want you to see if you can figure out. I've kind of already said it, and it is a, it is a word up there, so we'll see. But this says, here, come sit right here so you can see the pictures. This says, the disciples learn to pray. Jesus was praying under a fig tree. When he was done, his disciples said, Jesus, we want to open our hearts to God like you. Teach us. How to pray. Is that a dove? It looks like a dove. 
Praying is easy, Jesus said. God wants to know you and bring you close. Just speak to God like a friend, and God will listen. God hears your softest whisper, and even when you can't find the words, God hears what's in your heart. But how do we begin, the disciples asked. You can start like this, said Jesus. So Jesus gave them this prayer that we say every Sunday, and there's part of it that we're going to talk about of how we live to live and love like Jesus. Loving Father in heaven, blessed is your name. May your dream of love and peace come true, and may the whole world be made new. Give us each day the food we need to live, and help us to forgive so we may be forgiven. Jesus continued, what do you truly need? Ask and it will be given. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will open. Trust God in everything, for you are God's children. Yeah, so that last line, where is it? And help us to forgive so we may be forgiven. That's a line we say every Sunday in a prayer. And sometimes I think maybe we say it and we don't really think deeply about what it means. But this is one way Jesus is saying, that we have to practice so that we can live and love like Jesus. We have to learn to... I know you do. We have to learn to live and love like Jesus. So this whole month, we're going to be talking about what that kind of means, how that looks, how it's hard to forgive sometimes, and how we might be able to practice it. Let's fold our hands, and we'll say a prayer, and we're just going to say this one down here. Repeat after me. Dear God, help me to open my heart to you. Amen. All right, y'all can go have a seat. Our hymn of preparation is 389, Freely, Freely, and you may remain seated as we sing.
A reading from the Old Testament. This shall be a statute to you forever. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall deny yourselves and shall do no work, neither the citizen nor the alien who resides among you. For on this day atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you, and from all your sins you shall be clean before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall deny yourselves. It is a statute forever. The priest who anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement, wearing the linen vestments, the holy vestments. He shall make atonement for the sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the people of Israel once in the year for all their sins. And Moses did as the Lord had commanded him. Since we are continuing our Summer at the Movie series, I want to begin um, with a scene, a race scene in the movie Seabiscuit. I don't know how many of you have seen this movie, but it's a scene where Red, the jockey, gets a little distracted. So Seabiscuit is about a racehorse named Seabiscuit that had been trained to lose so that it could give other horses, help other horses gain confidence. I didn't even know this was a thing. But in this particular scene, Seabiscuit and the jockey, well, they have a new plan. Let Seabiscuit see the horses in the lead, then bring him neck and neck with one, then let him loose to run as fast as he could. So while Red is looking for a way to kind of break in and execute the plan, another jockey passes by them and aggressively kind of pushes them to the side. And Red can't take it. He forgets the plan, becomes consumed with letting the jockey who fouled him know that he won't take it. And he and Seabiscuit race their way up to the jockey, push him against the rails, and they lose the race with only the jockey who fouled them behind them. Now, when the race is over, Seabiscuit's owner and trainer, they come down, they ask what happened, knowing Seabiscuit could have won if they had followed the plan. And Red says... Am I supposed to just let him get away with that? Well, yeah, when he's 40 to 1, the trainer says. But he fouled me, exclaims Red, as if they are the ones who just don't get it. We get this emotion, right? This feeling. We understand the tension, the messiness of holding people accountable and forgiveness of anger and revenge and compassion and justice and, well, kind of all those things meld together. And I kind of love that our faith story carries all of this, too. In fact, when you read through the book of Psalms, you'll find words like, forgive us and thank you, as well as stick it to them, God. Don't let them off the hook. 
Psalm 25, 7 says, Remember not the sins of my youth, while 28, 4 says, Repay them according to their deeds. In fact, there are five Psalms that you can read where you can find both of these things just in one Psalm. And we get it. As we move away from our month of Pixar movies and move into the month of July, we're going to use movies to help us think about our Christian practice of forgiveness. As I said it announced, this all came about because David Bowers, for years, has tried to get me to watch Railway Man, and I still haven't, but I will next week. He says the best movie of forgiveness that he has ever seen. Um, It'll be our movie, like I said, next Saturday for our upcoming adult night out dinner and a movie. Um, You can see our bulletin and newsletter for all the information about that. And I'll be honest, when I first kind of looked at this theme and started planning it out, I was really approaching forgiveness from one way, Um, but I've moved into a sort of different direction As I began reading the passages of Scripture, reading commentaries, reading stories from people, and what I eventually settled on was the line that I used in the title of the sermon, God is Forgiveness. It comes from a Taze song that we will use in different ways throughout this month. We've already spoken it together today. God is forgiveness, the song says. Dare to forgive and God will be with you. God is forgiveness. Love and do not fear. God is forgiveness. Just these three words kind of made me rethink um, how I was approaching this, and you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But there was one thing I ran across um, in a book I was reading And it said this, um, forgiveness is God's invention. God began it by forgiving us, and God invites us all to forgive each other. So today we begin this series um, with that question with Jesus and Peter and a parable that follows. It's found in Matthew 18. Um, Peter asked the question, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? So now, let us hear Matthew 18, and as we prepare to hear God's word, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21 and ending at 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and he could not pay. His Lord ordered him to, pay, to be, ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything." And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. 
But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, um, I don't know how closely you were paying attention to all of that, but this is not the comfortable little tale we find in Luke where a father graciously receives his son home, no questions asked. No, this parable kind of makes us long for the story of the prodigal son. It's a little harsh. It's a little too transactional. Um, I'll do this, but if you do this, um, then this is what will happen to you. But I do think this story helps us hold some of that tension. As a people of faith, a lot of times we hear grace and forgiveness offered to all and preached and shared as the gospel message, and we nod our heads and we think, yes, thank you, Jesus. But when we find ourselves face to face with actual events, deeply wounded or continually inconvenienced by others, we are the jockey in Seabiscuit. Am I just supposed to let them get away with it? I even think right now what's happening kind of on a smaller scale, but with the Olympic athlete who was caught breaking the rules. Will she get to compete? Will she not get to compete? Do we just let her get away with it? The other hard part of this is how transactional it is. It's hard for us to kind of separate the money and the power piece. There's one at the top, others at the bottom. But kind of what we hear overall is the king chooses the currency of forgiveness to erase the debt, yet the forgiven debtor chooses retaliation. He will make the one indebted to him feel as afraid and as hopeless as he once did. Now, you kind of have to hold all that's going on in this section of Matthew when you get to this parable. Jesus' answer and the parable that follows, well, it is this last part in a series of five instructions that Jesus is giving to his disciples about how life in this community of faith should look, following the way of the cross, the way of self-denial, in which life is gained by losing it. And what I think Matthew wants to address is, how do we handle being wronged? I did find this a little interesting. Part of what the author of the Gospel of Matthew is doing with Jesus' words is holding it alongside another story in Genesis 4, 23 and 24, 
where another person, Lamech, is wronged. And this is what he says to his wives. Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain was avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 77-fold. You hear those same numbers, right? Jesus, with these words, is reversing this revenge cycle that we find in the opening book of the Bible. What a great reminder to us, once again, um, that we cannot just pull verses out of the Bible, but to be true to our faith story, we kind of have to hold them all together in this overarching story and in light of Jesus. But what I love about this place in Genesis, and I'm curious if your Bible said the same thing, this story this story of Lamech um, avenging, well, the, the heading in my Bible says, the beginning of civilization. It's like, man, we struggle from the beginning, right, to coexist, to practice community. And what we have in the gospel story of Jesus Christ, what we share with the world is that we have this living, breathing, walking, acting, teaching example of how it looks to be in community, one to another, of how hard it is. And community in Christ is all about radical forgiveness. If you have to count how many times you're forgiving, then you don't understand the kind of relationship in which you are engaging. You don't understand what the body of faith is about that you have joined. One commentary said this, and I just think it's beautiful. Forgiveness does not flow to us if it does not flow through us. We don't get it if we don't get it. So forgiveness is part of who we are to be, um, but this practice of communal forgiveness, forgiveness for the good of the community, well, it was part of the people of Israel from the beginning. We heard Linda read from Leviticus, and that particular section talks about the Day of Atonement. And it was a day focused on the cleansing of the people as a whole. It was a ritual that said sin is not simply something we understand in individual terms. It's a reality that has consequences for the community as a whole. On this 4th of July, where we celebrate the gifts and the graces and the freedoms we have as a country, I think we can also all too easily understand this statement. Sin is a reality that has consequences for the community as a whole. On the Day of Atonement, the whole community could deal with sin's potential communal destructiveness. Now, we didn't cover this part in the reading, but part of this ritual included a goat being sent into the wilderness, bearing the sins of all the people, not so much as a substitute, not to say that the goat suffers for the people, but a symbolic way. Israel's sins are thrust into the depths of the wilderness. It was a day, an act that the entire community participated in so the entire community could experience confession and forgiveness and as a community move forward. Forgiveness does not flow to us if it does not flow through us. Now, I must name this. 
Um, this is one of those passages, um, that first part, forgive not seven times, but 77. This is one of those passages when throughout the history of the church has been used in harmful ways. It's been used to justify women staying in abusive marriages or to say that we should allow others to continue to hurt us. And this is not what Jesus meant. Your life is valuable to Jesus and no one should stay in a relationship or in a situation that causes you harm. Um, I think Maya Angelou may have been onto something when she said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Being able to forgive as individuals is important. And I do believe people can change and we have to hold all of that. But I think what Jesus is lifting in this passage is a way of life that the body of Christ takes on together, creating a community that exists as confession, forgiveness, reconciliation. And all three must be held together. And this is what we will talk about in the coming weeks. But today we just begin with the tension. The tension we feel with reading this parable, um, the tension we feel when it forces us to consider what limits we would want placed on forgiveness ourselves. It forces us to ask questions about what it means to follow a just and a merciful God. And then ultimately what it does is remind us to say, thanks be to God, that it is not we who define forgiveness, but God, a God who is forgiveness. And all God's people said, amen. I couldn't have planned this better, um, because we do get to come uh, to the table to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, and the first act is always lifting confession, knowing that as a body, as a community, there are always ways we can grow, um, always things we need to confess. So as we prepare to receive, I invite you to join with me in our confession. It's found in your bulletin. Let us say these words together. Gracious and loving God, you lived for us. We have not lived for you. You have forgiven us, we have not forgiven others. You have loved us, we have not loved ourselves, nor have we loved one another. Take pity on us and forgive us, God. Help us to forgive. Help us to live for you. Help us to love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I know that uh, things have got a little more calmer and safer, but I am still not going to say let us stand and pass the peace of Christ. Uh, so I will ask you, though, turn to your right and left, wave to your neighbor, and just say peace of Christ be with you. Now we come to the great thanksgiving. While we give thanks, and in the midst of giving thanks, we tell the story of Jesus Christ. And I invite you, listen. Listen for those places where you hear um, about forgiveness, 
um, within our story of faith. But your responses are in the bold. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, God of all creation, source of all mercies, fount of love beyond all measure. It's fitting and right to give you thanks and praise and to adore you with grateful hearts and voices. For wondrously you have created heaven and earth, hovering in gracious care over all that you have made. You formed us as your image of love in the world. Yet even more wondrously, when we distorted your image, you called us back again and again, forgiving us, delivering us from captivity to sin and death, feeding, healing, reconciling, making covenant, and setting before us the way which leads to life. Therefore, with your people in all ages, in communion with the saints and with the whole company of heaven, we join the glad song of unceasing praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed be your name, gracious God. For you gave us Jesus, who emptied himself that we might be filled, who suffered and died that we might live. He fed the hungry, healed the afflicted, and ate with the scorned and forgotten of this world. He washed his disciples' feet and gave a holy meal as a feast of his ever-present love. On the night in which he gave himself up for us and for the world, at table with those who would desert and deny him. He took bread, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper had ended, he took the cup, gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Therefore, remembering Christ's life of ministry and service, his suffering, death, and resurrection, his ascending to glory, and his abiding presence through the power of your Holy Spirit, we come in praise and thanksgiving with these gifts of your love as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon all of us gathered in Christ's name. And upon these gifts that they may be for us his body and blood. And so feed us with his grace, that in union with Christ we may become a living offering to you. Remembering God of all mercy, those who suffer this day from injustice or poverty with no place to call home. We remember those who are sick, imprisoned, or troubled, and those who face death with no one to comfort them. Remember also those that we now lift in love in this place, either silently or aloud. Linda Self and her family, Melody Musgrove, Ann Weisenborn, Angie Williams. O God, who hears our prayers, transform us into the image and likeness of Christ, that we may faithfully serve others in his name and look forward to the final feast in which all shall be gathered as one at your table and all manner of things shall be well. 
through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory and blessing is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now I invite us to join our voices together as we lift the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you did not pick up a communion packet, you may go get one, but you may now partake. All has been made ready. Take the top sleeve all first to get to the wafer and the second sleeve all for the juice, and our ushers will come around to collect the whatever's left. Let us pray. God, we give thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. May we indeed go forth as a people who have been nourished and fed with spiritual food, trusting and believing and hoping in your presence with us as we go. It's in your most holy name that we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 437, This Is My Song. Um, one, I think it's a beautiful song and one of my favorites that kind of reminds us to celebrate 
um, the gifts and the beauty of our own own country, um, remembering the gifts and beauty of others, other countries as well, as we give thanks for ours. So I invite you to stand as we sing, This Is My Song on 437. Before I give the benediction something I forgot to say in announcements, but I need to say and we'll have to say in the coming weeks. Um, I had a text message um, from one of our own medical professionals that just was aware of the rising number, uh, or the rising number in COVID cases, but also let me know that they have people who've had the vaccine that are testing positive for COVID. So they just wanted me to make you aware of that and also to say if you are nervous about that um, or if you are someone who is more vulnerable, then they do encourage you wear a mask in worship um, just because worship is one of the more high-risk activities. So just stay alert, stay aware. If you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, know that uh, please do that. And if you are not fully vaccinated, we do ask that you continue to wear a mask. Um, So we continue to pray. (laughs) Pray for everyone continuing to deal with COVID. 
You do not have to stack chairs for me this Sunday, so you can leave those as they are. Um, but remember, take a look at that calendar for all the upcoming events for July. And don't forget that our basket is in the back for your offerings, for your gifts, for your tithes that allow us to continue to do the work um, of this church in this place, in our community, and in the world. Um, but now, receive this benediction. Oh, hear our prayer, thou God of all the nations. Myself I give thee. Let thy will be done. Amen.